I made a joke and I said, yeah, you know what? If I don't sell any books, maybe I could sell the doll. They have a doll made <laughs> and put it on Amazon to call it the Jenny doll. <laughs> Take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate. A dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. And welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Please check us out online at couplesynergy.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Couplesynergy. And please subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring your experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for over 20 years. Everyone says you should work on your relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of. With the partner they fell in love with. On today's episode, we welcome Carol Slusky, speaker and author of the book, 30, A Mother's Spiritual Journey After Losing Her Child, and also her husband, Denny. Welcome to our podcast, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for being here. And I want to personally, you know, express my gratitude that we have my husband, Dennis, I call him Denny. Denny. So with me, because he's the main character in my book. And he found out about this about two minutes ago. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we're glad to have you here. That's great. So why don't you guys tell us a little bit about the two of you? How long have you been together? We'll we'll start there. How long have you been together? And and then we'll go into the story about Paula. Well, we've been together. It'll be 31 years of April. Actually, it's 31 and a half now because we met in about nine months before we got married. And uh, Carol was divorced for about five years and I was getting divorced. And we met and uh, her sister actually had a party at her house and she lived across the street from me. And that's how we met. <laughs> so anyway, we dated and then we decided to get married. She was married like 23 years before and I was married for like 27 years. And... We had everything planned to get married in Las Vegas. And about two weeks before, one morning, we got the phone call and uh, heard that Paula was in the hospital. So we went to the hospital and and uh, she was like on life support systems. So we were there and the doctors more or less says they can't do anything for one or two days about taking her off or on or whatever they were going to do. So basically, uh, we just kind of waited there and then they told us... Uh, you know, we probably should go home. So late that afternoon, we went home and uh, we had to go back early the next morning. And that's when, uh, you know, my wife ought to maybe say something about what it was then. Well, when we got back, you know, I, I knew, I knew the first time I saw my daughter when I walked into the ICU unit and um, went up to her bed. She she, it was just actually like on a TV set. If you saw uh, all this equipment on her life support with the monitor and everything. Well, the monitor was a flat line. And um, she had her eyes were dilated. And she's got beautiful blue eyes. And you couldn't hardly see the blue that uh, 
the black pupils were so dilated. And I'll tell you, I did not feel her soul. I stressed that in my book because it was important to me. She felt she didn't, there, there was no life in her, even though her chest was going up and down, it was because of the pump. And I, I was, uh, my feelings, I was like living in a, a nightmare. That's all I can tell you. It's like, it was like a nightmare. It was like everything was slow motion. And the doctor came in and, and told us that Paula had 5% chance of making it. And, um, but it was a state law in, in Illinois that once you put them on life support, they have to be on for 48 hours. So we managed that, that day, um, that one first day that we were there, uh, I had my sisters came and my mother came and, and it was shocking for everyone. No one could believe it because she, she had a pulmonary embolism mm. and that's a blood clot. And it was like, you know, instant, it was just fast. And she apparently it broke loose when she was in the hospital in the emergency room. And um, so where Denny left off was the next day we, we came back to the hospital and that was the, the day that they were going to disconnect her. And I had to sign the papers for, for it. Well, Paula's father, he was also there. Um, of course, he was, you know, the two between Denny and, and my first husband, Paula's father, it was just overwhelming. They were out in the hallway and they were hugging each other and they were crying together. And I remember that so well because it was like, um, it was heartbreaking for me because I knew Jim was, that's Paula's dad, that he was hurting. And Denny, he, he was there trying to comfort Jim. And between the three of us, we got around Paula's bed and we prayed. We started saying Hail Marys and Our Fathers. And uh, I talked directly to God, asked him to do what's necessary Deep down, I didn't want my daughter to be a vegetable, to remain on that equipment. I had to uh, sign the papers. The doctors said to Jim and I, which one should, do you want to have signed? And I, I took the, <clears throat> I took the uh, step to sign her off on the equipment. And, and how, how old is, was Paula? Paula was, she was 24 years old and she was getting married too. You know, that was a little bit down the road in a year. Uh, she and her fiance to be we're going to be engaged in another couple of months and, and it's happened um, two weeks before you before we got yeah. going to get married right tell us so, a little bit more about paula when was she born what was she like well she was born in 1967 she was 24 when she died she was five foot seven she had beautiful blue eyes she um was a loving person and she believed in god she and I'm so so grateful that she believed in God because I knew that she she was going to pass. I knew she was going to go to heaven. And she, when she was born, she was born premature at seven months, and she had a, a premature. I had a premature placenta separation, and so Jim and I rushed her to the hospital uh, early in the morning, and. It was touch and go. She almost died because that's my dog. Um, because my placenta it, it separated, and uh, she was basically, you know, choking. But they did save her, and 
we took her home in about, we had her there for about two weeks and then we took her home. And then 20 months later, um, she started getting very sick and she was getting a lot of bladder infections. So I was taking her to a pediatrician and the pediatrician was giving her different various uh, antibiotics and they would help for a while. The, but then the fever started, the infections got so bad. And, and so one, one night her fever got to 104 and I got to remember she's 20 months old, got to 104. She had a convulsion at home in the kitchen and I was holding her. We jumped in the car, we got to the hospital and they, uh, Put her in, they worked on her, put her in an oxygen tent, and they told me to call a priest. So we we did. We called the priest, and he gave Paula the, her last rites at 20 months old. But I had a miracle happen. She lived, she lived through it. The fever broke. The next morning, she was out of danger, the criticalist, but she was very weak. And they had her in the hospital again for, you know, over a week. And uh, But she lived. And so... I took her back and she, she lived for another 22 years with me. And um, I thank God that I did have basically had two miracles with her. And her passing came as a shock. There was no, <sighs> yes, there was no precursor to it at all. No, no. You know, back then we smoked and I know the generation today, they don't, understand why you know we smoked but back then when I started smoking when I was very young in high school and um so I had that bad habit well my daughter picked up that bad habit she smoked so before Paula wound up in the emergency room she stayed at our at, at, at Benny's house I had just moved in there and I sold my townhouse so I moved in with him and I was driving Paula home she came over to go swimming at, at the house and she stayed for two days and then I dro drove her home and I said you know I, I was heard gurgling in her chest and I said Paula I said you've got to stop smoking and you know here's here's mom you know mom mom smoking and I look back and I think that was just so crazy um did I feel guilty about that I didn't know that smoking was that bad back then everybody smoked you smoked in the doctor's office the doctors smoke yeah. you know i mean it was just unbelievable so right you he's a he's a retired dentist so he smoked maybe he smoked while he was working on patients i don't know but <laughs> that was in the army yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's the way it was i and then i had a miracle happen to me to quit smoking but i'm not going to get into that right now but that, um, so I said to Paula, stop smoking. And she said, mom, you know, I'm 24, da, 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 da. So I blame the smoking uh, as, as a culprit. I've not, I don't know for sure if it caused it, but it certainly didn't help her health. Now, and, how did, that, and how did Paula and I, I guess the rest of your children, how did they uh, respond to your relationship with Denny? Well, they liked him. They were very happy. I have another daughter and and they were very happy. Um, they loved their father, but he also was going with someone and planning on getting married. You know, we had been divorced for se several years. So they were used to, and they were older. You know, when we got divorced, they were both, you know, um, 
in their late teens, 19 or 20. But so they, they accepted it and they liked him. You know, they, he was very good to him. And in fact, they, they liked uh, Jim's future fiance, Barbara. They, they kind of were like happy about everything. So it was like everything was perfect. And you talk about, you know, there's lots of different losses. There's, uh, you can lose your parents, you can lose your siblings, you can lose a child. How is losing a child different than those other types of losses? Well, my father passed away, of course, way before Paula, Paula did. So I lost a parent. Um, I figured out, and it took me many years of, of going through, don't forget I was without Paula for 30 years. And I started realizing a lot of things. I, I was growing in my faith all this time. And I was figuring out things that had happened, why they happened. What was it like for you, Donnie, to be involved but still sort of on the outside a little bit well when we got the call we got to the hospital and then after she died i helped you know at the time i thought oh man maybe we shouldn't get married right now but she said no let's let's go ahead and we did but but he planned it. i planned everything because he grew up in a small town illinois and i kind of knew everybody because i worked in the stores and i was a dentist for a long time and all that stuff and i knew all the undertakers everybody so, you know, I got, took care of arrangements and everything. And then my daughter even helped. She was a beautician and she even done Paula's hair for the wake and everything else. My ex-wife sang her the songs in the church. It was a small town. A small town, Some maybe town five or 6,000 people. So everybody kind of knew everybody. So, you know, we went through it and then we uh, we got married a couple of weeks later and we just started going on. But then a few months later, Carol started getting some problems with her leg and all the stress of everything I think was getting to her physically. So she wound up having a knee replacement. And then like six months later, she got MS. It was like one and, thing after another. And, I was basically very, very healthy. And then uh, the MS she had, but it kind of went into remission after a few years. And in between she had four back fusions Wow. and then another knee. And then after 25 years, the, the replacement on one of the knees. So she's had a dozen or so operations and a neck operation here six months ago. So it was a lot going on, but, you know, we went through it and uh, wound up. Her other daughter had two grandkids, and so we were involved helping out with them. And that was part of And that was part of the healing for her because with the grandkids, we eventually moved closer to them. And, you know, when they were in sports and school, we were going all the games and going and now they're growing up. You know, there's something that that I realized too, as the years went by, Denny was not Paula's natural father. So at the time of Paula's death, he was sad. He was there for me, but he only knew her for about a year. So it wasn't like as if it was his daughter and he was heartbroken. So he was able to give me what I needed. Every time I would see him, he'd come home from work. I'd say, come and sit down and talk to me. I need to talk to you. Am I going to get better? Am I going to get better? I would tell him about my day, what happened, how I cried or how I felt. He was there for me. Now, had he been Paula's real father, he would have been so distraught, just like I was, that could he have given to me what I needed? And statistically, both of us heard on the radio 
about a couple of years ago, and I won't mention the program, but that statistically a mother can die within 10 years after a child's death. The average lifespan. The average lifespan because of the stress, because of the broken heart. I wound up getting cardiomyopathy. I was diagnosed about seven years ago with cardiomyopathy and they can't find out why I, I got it. But I asked my doctor, could it be from a broken heart? And he said, "There's yes, there's, there is a broken heart syndrome. So that's possible. But that's what death of a child does to parents. It's the worst thing. You don't think about it. You don't even want to think about your child dying. You know, that's, before this happened, even though Paula almost died as a little baby, I couldn't even think of her as she was growing that this would happen because you push that away. That's something that you don't want any part of. And um, so I do believe that God put Denny in my life to help me because I don't know if I could have done it without him alone. I, I was divorced alone. I don't know if I could have, how long I would have survived. And in addition to the statistics about, you know, mothers, you know, passing soon after their child does, but it, there is a high statistic of divorce, yes. you know, yes. of yes. Uh, parents. Thank you for mentioning that. Child as well. So it's a, it's a very huge trauma, you know, and it sounded like, you know, Denny, you're, you're right that, that Denny was put in your life at that perfect time yeah. to be that support for you. What well, what was your what was your wedding like? I mean, it's two weeks after. That must have been quite an experience for both of you. Well, we decided we were going to fly to Las Vegas. You know, that's what we planned and that's what we continued to do. We went to Las Vegas and we had um, a couple that were our close friends were standing up with us. So they flew with us, Marge and Herb. And I remember being in the airplane going to Vegas and looking out the window and seeing the clouds while everyone else was okay I was like in la la land you know it was like I was on the airplane going to get married I'm looking out in the clouds thinking of my daughters in heaven out there you know sitting on a cloud looking at me or something and it was that bittersweet moment of my life and then yeah, I would hold his hand and start talking to him and then he would bring me back, back into sanity. He would bring me down from, you know, back, back into a level mood because I, I started suffering from depression too. That's another thing. I had to go on antidepressants um, for a number of years. And it, it takes a toll physically on, on a mother and a father when you lose a child. It just does. And I, I know my brother's daughter passed at the age of 19. It's been eight years. And recently her sister got married and I saw it, they're divorced, my brother and his, his ex-wife. And we were at the wedding and she was there and we talked for a while and she was saying, you know, I often want to talk to her ex-husband, my brother, because who else can she talk about the history and the reminiscing and, and who her name was Morgan and who Morgan was. And, and, um, and my mom recently lost a child. My brother passed away. It's only been a year and he was 55 and my mom is 80, but it's still, she aged considerably within weeks of his passing. And 
you know, and I, and I told my mom, why don't you go talk to, you know, Morgan's mom? Cause you guys both lost a child. And I think that is a unique loss that if you haven't experienced it, it's probably unfathomable to figure out what that is and how to go through that. And, you know, you hit on a good point too, that I like to mention when you said that, you know, do you agree with me that other people like with your mom, they probably thought your mom should move on, you know, after a year or whatever, you know, get start getting better. That's what I thought for me that my mother, uh, my friends, my sisters, it was like they, my sister, Diane, who lived across the street, she was basically the only one who would listen to me and let me pour my heart out. But it's like other people thought, you know, come on. Get your life together. You got to move on. You have to move on. It, it's, I hate to say this, but it's not like going out buying a new puppy. It's just, this one. this right. is you, you know, it's your DNA. This is your baby. This is your, your child. It's God. Can you talk about that journey from, from day one of losing her to 30 years later. And how, how do things shift and, is it sometimes it's like, it's just yesterday? Oh boy, for the first 20 years, I, I'd say, yeah, I could bring myself right back to that day. I could bring myself back to the phone call I got from the doctor that my daughter was in, you know, ICU, that she had surgery, that uh, she had a pulmonary embolism, that she only had 5% chance to make it. So I could put myself right back in that spot very easy. but. I learned how not to. And this is this is my thanks, my honoring, my love, my faith to God. God showed me how to survive. I started to take care of myself. I started watching what I ate. I remember going to the doctor. I was having all these medical problems. Um, Denny and I, he helped me. We selected, actually, we did select uh you know, doctors that were not ready to give you surgery. I started having my back. I started getting uh, um, a de degenerative disc disease is what it was. So my spine started going. I'm, I'm fused, my whole lumbar is fused. I got two metal bars, 12 screws in me. 30 years later, I still have them. So all of that, I still took care of myself. I started by getting out of bed early, 7 a.m., I write this in the book. Don't lay down and look at the ceiling. When you look at the ceiling, you're going to start getting depressed. You're going to start thinking about follow. I roll out of bed, shower, then make my coffee. And then I started going back to work. I started working. I, I started, I love art. So I started painting again. So all of these things that I started doing to keeping myself busy, and I was married to a man that he allowed me to do that. He didn't need 24-7 supervision from his new wife. He allowed me to do my own thing because he was doing his own thing too. We were both busy and we, like in the evening, that's when we met to have dinner. He was able to tell me uh, that I was going to, I was getting better. And um, that really, when he's telling me I was getting better, I liked hearing that. I liked that because I really felt somebody sees I'm getting better. You know, I'm going to make it. Jenny, what was that like for you to watch her go through this? And how were you a support to her? Well, it was, uh, you know, a lot of operations. And 
she uh, was a, she's a real good artist. So she was painting all the time in the daytime and, and then she started her own business. So I helped her uh, get along with her business and uh, between her business and the paint, she stayed busy and, and I'd keep knowing that you can do what you got to do because, you know, she didn't have to go to work and really make any money because I, I could afford whatever they needed. So anyway, by doing that, that helped. And then we'd go on some trips, go on a lot of, a lot of cruises and stuff, different couples and a lot of guys I grew up with, uh, with you know, would go out with their them and their wives. And through the years, uh, everything started getting a little bit better, except, you know, she'd have an operation, eventually she'd heal up pretty quick. And uh, yeah, and then once the granddaughters came, we uh, moved to closer to where they lived and we were, we were with them all. We actually had a big house and we had each one had their own bedroom and all the goodies. And uh, they kind of lived across the street from us. And as they were growing up, we'd go to all our ball games because I used to coach Little League for a long time with kids and before I was married with Carol. And uh, so we'd go to all our ball games and everything else. And she kept real busy and was really in with the kids. And uh, so actually, when they were getting older, we moved closer to them. And then That's we're, why we're here. <laughs> and now we moved again. So we're in Florida now because they moved down here. Because they moved today. Can, yeah. can you, I want to ask you this question really quick because this kind of came up with my sister-in-law. Her daughter is buried in Illinois and her other daughter now lives in Pennsylvania and she's hoping to become a grandma, but she's having trouble moving because she feels like she's leaving her daughter that's buried here. What was that like for you and what was your experience with that? I didn't feel like that at all. Mm -hmm. What I did was over the course of the 30 years, I had still some of Paula's uh, little momentums that, that she left. You know, like she did some ceramic work and I had some of her ceramics. And I had the bracelets that they cut off of her wrist when they went into surgery. And she used to wear, you know, like three, four bracelets. So I had those in a, in a, in a, containers that my mom gave me for all those years and there were certain items and when we came to move here I told Jenny I said you know Jenny some of these items here they're not going with us they got to stay here and we saw a miracle at um, the miraculous icon of Cicero and that's in my book I'm not going to get into that but we went there we witnessed the icon of Blessed Virgin Mary and Jesus that was painted and her tears. You can go online, look up uh, the miracle in Cicero, Illinois. And we went there, and that's another experience that got me. Oh, that, well, that was buried all the stuff. I said, we're burying some of these items here in our house that we were at. In the backyard, we had a couple of rose gardens. So I, I, that's what we did. We buried some of the things, a lot of things that I had. I left them there. Those were supposed to remain there. And we had Q-tips from the Virgin's Tears that I buried there too. I said, no, I can't take them out of the state. They gotta stay here. So as far as what you just asked me, did I feel leaving her, it's basically leaving the cemetery there, leaving the, the coffin, leaving- well, yeah, but Let me tell you why. I can tell you why it wasn't so hard was we got a mausoleum where she's in, and we we got space in the mausoleum too. So when we go, we're gonna go back to Illinois. We're and be buried there too. Buried there. Her daughter's there. Her sister's there. My mom, dad, aunts, uncles, that everybody. 
So we're going to be in one big place, you know. So it's a little easier when you know you're going to be heading back there. But I know, I know what, I know what you asked. I know what your sister, I know what your sister's feeling. All she's got to do is close her eyes and picture where she's at, her daughter's at. I do that. I close my eyes and I can picture, I can picture driving into the cemetery. I can picture parking the car. I used to walk around. Not to, I didn't just go into the mausoleum to see Paula. I walk around and I would look at all the grave sites and I would see the dates. There were so many young people that were buried there. So many in their 20s that were buried there. When we would go on vacation, where did I ask you to take me? We would be in, on vacation, different places. I said, we found cemeteries. Can you believe that one? We would drive through cemeteries. I would walk and I would look at the headstones. And I would look at the dates, and so many were 24, 24 years old, 26. And um, so that went on for quite a few years, too, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, Gene you know, I mean, and I do that. Gene and I do that also. We do that? Yeah, do. actually, on, do. on vacations. What is that? Why do we do that? <laughs> Why? I mean, it's like... Why well, I used to like to see the oldest yeah. date there. But with yeah. me, I was... You know, in our hometown, some of them were in the late 1700s they were right. born. You know, it's unreal. Well, it was really, really pivotal for us was when we visited uh, northern France. And there were soldiers' cemeteries. Uh, well, we used to go to... In El Paso, Texas, where I was in the army, they had a big graveyard there, and uh, we used to go by there. We went there. Yeah, he took me there. Yeah, so many. And you can see by the dates, like a whole bunch died this day, oh, a few, yeah. a couple days after, and then nothing, and then another. Is do you think do you battles. think that that that's possibly part of our part of the healing process? It's knowing that your child is not the only one that died. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Is death really that bad? If you go to heaven, isn't it supposed to be wonderful? Can you talk about why you named the book 30 and why, uh, you know, how the book came to be? Well, I really thought about writing the book maybe about 20 years later after Paula passed. I thought about writing because now you got to remember my granddaughters are starting to get older. My other daughter's starting to get older. My other daughter has a lot of friends. Well, I wound up getting to know her friends and a couple of them had lost their children, a son or a daughter. They came to me and hugged me. I would go to the wake and they would hug me. Why? Because they knew I understood. You understood. Mm -hmm. They understood they, that they would hug me. And I would tell them immediately, it's going to get better. Get through this. Take one day, one hour right now at a time. Get through this funeral. Get through the wake. Don't look towards the future. Just today. Because that's how raw it is. For our audience, where can someone uh, get a hold of your book? You know, if they wanted more information about the story. Okay, well, just go to Amazon and put my name in, Carol Slusky. That's C-A-R-O-L-E-S-L-U-S-K-I. Uh, you could put the name of the book in 30, and but with my name, it should pop up. And, um, you know, it's only been out there for two months. So it's, a, it's just a, in a baby state. And I'm working real hard. That's why I'm doing podcasts, because I want to get the word out there. My word to moms and dads or anyone, husbands, wives, you, if you love your, your deceased husband or your deceased wife, there's hope. 
you could live again. You could be you could be happy, but you have to pray, ask God to help you, and He will help you. And you got to do things for yourself. You have to you have to fight this. You can't let that sadness and that grief take you over. Grief is a killer. So you have to do something that you like to do. I even suggest make a new recipe for the family. And another thing, your family. Okay, how many of you have other children? How many, I, I had another daughter. I didn't push my daughter away, but I had to be careful with her because I didn't want to make her just do everything for me. She still got her own suffering. She lost her sister. So, but one thing I can say, she helped me by being there when I needed her. And boy, when she became a mother, she said, mom, you want to take the girls, and, you know, go ahead and do what you want to do. She said, and a lot, a lot of daughters don't let your mother take yeah. their kids. But, you know, we took them on two trips when they were a little older, but we, we took them on cruises. We took them to the zoo. We took, I took them to dancing, acting. That filled the hole. So my suggestion is this. If you are fortunate that you have other children, you put your life into those kids. That's what your deceased child wants you to do because they're brothers and sisters and that DNA is there. And boy, I'll tell you, it is strong. Love and family is so strong. Your family can pull you through. I also suggest you get together for a family dinner. Say a little prayer in the beginning for your deceased child. Keep your child that's gone to heaven in the little family circle. I talk about the family circle a lot. Okay, first there's God, then there's your husband or wife, and then there's your children, then there's your mom and dad, and then there's your sisters and brothers, and then there's your friends. So that's the circle of life to me. That's my circle. My other people might have a different circle, but that's my circle. And that's the way I knew that I had, I had a backup. I had people that would help me. So yeah. we, all, we always end our podcast with this question. And so Denny, I'm glad you're here for this one. What is it that your partner does that you know they love you? <laughs> Can you answer that? You got to no. ask you. Or me? Or both yes. of you. Oh, okay. Well, I love her because the way she is, uh, you know, you wouldn't know it with all the operations and everything else. She's like the bionic woman. Uh, she's going to be 79 years old in a couple of months. I'm going to be 83. And we got along good for 31 years. And, uh, you know, we like the same things. And I don't paint, but I love the artwork. And, you know, it's been great so far. And I love the grandkids. We're going to be great grandparents next week. That's so awesome. that's even one more step up. <laughs> so so great grandparents, grandparents and parents, man, it's, it's kind of neat. You know, so that's basically it. You could ask me now. Yeah. <laughs> Why do I love him? Yeah. I, I just, God gave me a good one. He gave me a keeper, you know, and um, not that we don't argue. We've had, a, I've, I've really had some explosions, <laughs> some bad ones. I've, uh, you know, She's Russian. yeah, I'm, I'm half Russian. So I, I got a temper, but um, well, even you've got a temper too. I'm part Russian yeah, too. Part <laughs> Russian too. <laughs> oh, we're still the old timers on that nationality thing, but he, he's there for me. You know, if I, when I wanted to move here, oh, he didn't want to go. <laughs> and I had to really manipulate him. But 
I, I got him to move. And when we got here, I had second thoughts about moving because I'm starting to miss my sister. And he was in the hot tub and he's, he said, you know, I told you we should do this a long time ago. <laughs> so he wound up liking it better than I did. And, um, but now I love it, but he's just a good person, a good man. I mean, it, not just to me, but he's good to my family, my daughter, other daughter, you know, my the granddaughters, that's grandpa. You know, I mean, they call him where they call me. So he's just a good guy. In fact, in the book, I got, <clears throat> I go to Bible class. So I had some of the women read my manuscript the first six months I, I wrote. It took me 16 months to write this book. So I passed out my manuscript and I said, read it and let me know what you think about it. So I got critiqued and everything. And, oh, you got to talk a little bit more about this and that. And I had one woman say to me, man, she said, I'd like to find, I would like to find a daddy. <laughs> <laughs> so I made a joke and I said, yeah, you know what? If I don't sell any books, maybe I could sell the doll. They have a doll made <laughs> and put it on Amazon to call it the Denny doll. You know, but, <laughs> We well, Carol, didn't. Carol and Teddy, we want to thank you so much for yeah. being on our podcast. This has been a really wonderful story. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks a lot. And this has been an exceptional <laughs> for me. I'm usually alone. You know, people have been sharing stories since the beginning of time <laughs> to bond and heal and grow. And we hope by you guys sharing your story, it's enriched your lives and the lives of our listeners. Thank well, you. Okay, thanks. We want to thank all of you for joining us today on Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. For all of you listening, please let us know how you enjoy the show. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, the home study course, the Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier coaching program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.